0: Today on Abounding Grace from Ed Taylor. We're also as a church family, as believers all around the world, living stones, being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. We're not just a stack of bricks all squared up. God has taken us as bricks and he's put us in the body of Christ, built us up, and we all have our place so that together we're interconnected. We need each other, and in many ways we want each other because we're going to keep each other strong.
1: This is amazing grace. Welcome to another week of Abounding Grace. Hope you had a wonderful Christmas celebration. We're about to return to our study of 1 Peter. Now, if you recall, we left off in chapter 2. In just a few days, we'll welcome in another year. And this is a good time to reflect on where we are and where we're heading in life. Are there some things we need to lay aside? Where should we be looking? Well, stick around as together we get some help on how to run our race effectively in the year ahead. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. First Peter chapter 2 in a Bible study that I've
0: entitled, "You Are a Chosen Generation." You know, we look at the culture today and we're like, man, I can't believe I'm alive right now. I can't believe I'm facing what I'm facing, seeing what I'm seeing. But the Bible would say you're alive for such a time as this. This is your time. You're alive now. Everything that was arranged with your family, your parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, all of that was arranged to bring you to the place where you are right now. Even as the first century believers, they were alive in the time that God ordained for them. They face their trials and tribulations in their culture, in their time period, we face ours. And we left off last time with that exhortation to lay aside some of the things that are hindering us and to desire to take in the pure milk of the Word. Remember verse 1 of chapter 2? Therefore, laying aside all malice, guile, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Or we've learned it, if you've tasted that the Lord is good. And He is indeed good and gracious. And so laying aside things that will hinder us and desiring things that will help us, they go hand in hand in every area of life. To to lay aside those things that will harm us and to desire those things that will help us, that's a biblical truth throughout the Scriptures. It reminds me of our study in Hebrews. When we were studying Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, remember we were instructed, Therefore we also, since we're surrounded by such a great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that easily ensnares us, so that we can run our race with endurance that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I mean, if you're here today, you're listening to me, and you're looking for some direction in life. You're looking for some very precise direction. What is the next thing I should do? How should I respond to this crisis? What should I do next? I want to encourage you, go back into the app. Or go back onto the website and listen to the studies that we did in learning how to run your race. We spent some time really zeroing in on what will help you run your race more effectively. And we learned that running our race is a metaphor that describes how to live for Christ. And we want to do so not walking, not not crawling, not walking, but we're running. And we're running in a race not to beat each other, like to be the finisher, so that I can come in first place and get the gold medal. But rather, we're running our race to take as many people as possible, and the whole goal is to finish. We want to finish the race. So we're reminded that we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses there in Hebrews. I think it's worth a review. As we look back and think that as we're running the race of life, we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. Now, don't think of it as a stadium that's filled with people up in heaven watching us. But rather, this is a reference to examples. We have examples before us, a cloud of witnesses witnessing to the fact that they finished their race too. And so we ask, well, what, who are they? What, who are these witnesses? Who, in context, is this cloud of witnesses? And you'll recall that this is in reference, in context, to all of those in the hall of faith. As we went one after another, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. All of them in their particular life, in their time, by faith, they finished the race. And they become a cloud of witnesses and examples to us that we can finish our race too, they're our motivation. This is what moves us. We're to run the race of faith just like they did. That's why it's really advantageous for us to look around at, in, our, in our fellowship, in our community, maybe in our family, and you know, you have witnesses in your own family as well, your own friendships, where you see people overcome great, uh, great difficulty and they, they, come, they come against all odds and they're still running, they're still going forward, as one commentator said, and I quote, these witnesses, they knew how to run the race of faith. They opposed Pharaoh. They forsook the pleasures and prerogatives of his court. They passed through the Red Sea, shouted down the walls of Jericho, conquered kingdoms, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, received back their dead by resurrection. They were tortured, mocked, scourged, imprisoned, stoned, sawn in two, had to dress in animal skins, and were made destitute, all for the sake of their faith. And so they're witnesses, not onlookers, and they've proved it by their testimony and their witness and their life of faith. So going back, you can turn to Hebrews if you like, but if you're taking notes, by way of review, remember the instruction of what we were asked to lay aside. These are the things that will help you run your race better, and we'll just briefly review them. Number one, we're instructed, lay aside every weight. Identify the weights, those things that are weighing you down, and lay it aside. And you get the idea that this is not a one-time thing. You don't just lay it aside and go, it's never gonna come back. No, you know, you're just like any racer, anybody that's, that's preparing for a race, they're making every effort to be in their best condition. And there are times we have to lay aside those things that don't help you run well. Now, we could easily think of some things that don't help you uh, taking in, you know, social media, screen time, you know, you, things, that, things that are obvious. But maybe there are things that are not so obvious that are in your life, that are unique to you, that you just got to take before the Lord. It's very consistent with our time in prayer today. As we take some time together corporately as a church and we pray that Pastor Ian says, look, I want you to pray for yourself. Consider yourself today lay aside every weight. Number two, lay aside the sin that so easily ensnares you. There are weights in life that are bothersome, that are heavy, that are annoying and bulky. But sin, you know, there are things that weigh us down, but known sin will stop us in our tracks. And it's a very deceptive thing because we can go through all the outward emotions and not be in the race. You become very religious where you have the appearance of holiness, but you deny the power thereof. You have an appearance of being religious and and spiritual, and you have the, the appearance of being a good Christian, whatever that means these days, and being a good churchgoer. But if you're not laying aside the sin, you're not in the race. Your race has come to a stop. All sin is a hindrance to Christian living, but there is that in Hebrews, there's that word the, lay aside the sin. So there's an implication that you're looking for a particular specific sin in your life. Thirdly, to run your race well in Hebrews chapter 12, where we remember we're to lay aside the weight, lay aside the sin. And then thirdly, we're to look unto Jesus. Look unto Jesus. This is so good because where our eyes are, that's where our focus is. Our attention and our affections looking unto Jesus. We should be doing that every day. The looking unto Him in His Word, looking into Him as we learned just this week, uh, you know, that our last time in Peter, looking unto Jesus, knowing that we're in the Word because tough times require us to be tethered to the Word of God and the wisdom of God and the worship of God. That we're in His Word, Like, like that we're not reading it religiously. We're not reading it because that's what we have to do. We're taking it in because it speaks of the character and nature and the goodness of God. And you can't read too many pages before you see that God has been faithful to everyone that came to Him. He's been faithful to every single person that turned to Him. He's been faithful to every person that's prayed to Him. He's been faithful to everyone that's raised their hands and worshiped to Him. And that just encourages, because you might even be in a sense where you wake up and go, you know, I don't know, God, you're not faithful to me. You've forgotten me. Nobody's talked to me. Nobody's reached out to me. Christian communities fail me. I got this big situation in my house. I got this big situation with my kids. I got this big situation with my family and my marriage, my singleness. I got all these things. You've forgotten me. And then you open up and you go, oh no, there's a prodigal kid. He came home. Oh no, there was a person that felt alone, but God came to him in a vision. Think of that. He's all alone, all by himself, and God shows up to him personally in a vision. To speak encouragement. I mean, there's over and over and over again that God meets us in our greatest difficulty. We got to look unto Jesus. There's a sense of, He uses that again, it is metaphoric language. We we don't see Jesus physically. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. We look to Jesus because wherever our eyes are, that's where we're gonna go. We follow our eyes. Fourthly, in Hebrews 12, we were reminded that as we're looking unto Jesus, we're to see Him as the author and finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Because He's the supreme example of our faith. Author is, the word comes to us as, it means the originator, the pioneer, the one that begins and takes the lead. And so Jesus, we looked to Him and be reminded that He originated all the faith that we've read about. And lived and experienced. He's the chief leader, the real example for us, but he's also the finisher. And this word in the original language, remember the New Testament was written in the common Greek of the day. It's called the Koine Greek. It was, God was so gracious that he had the Bible written in the every man's language. That's why I'm always encouraged by accurate translations that can take the Bible and make it relevant to our language today. Uh, the New King James does a good job of that, but I love to read the NLT for my Devos because it takes it just down another notch to common phraseology so that we can just receive the word and take it in. But see, he's the finisher. He's the one that this word has the meaning of he's the one that carries your faith to completion. Now, this is important because how many times have you just felt like giving up and quitting? You say it's not worth it anymore. I'm tired. I don't like this. It's too hard. You think of all the things that come your way. Just don't run. You know, you might even have, you might even, you know, have voices in your head. And I don't mean uh, any kind of medical condition or mental condition. You just got, like, you you just hear voices. Just quit. It's just some demonic attack on you. Just quit. Nobody's going to care. They won't remember you. They'll move on. Just quit. Just turn your back. Just give up. And, you know, it corresponds with your feelings. And you're like, well, maybe I will. And then you start talking to yourself. Now, that's a problem. In times of crisis, you're the worst person to talk to. Most of the time. Unless you're encouraging yourself in the Lord. (laughs) If you're talking to yourself, it's usually usually not going to go very well. And I would just encourage you, if you're in that place right now, just ask for some help. Text somebody. Ask somebody to pray for you. You know, one of the things that somebody praying for you does, it interrupts that conversation. It just stops it. And then maybe if the person's praying for you and and they're just sensitive to the Holy Spirit, as they're praying, man, they're saying stuff that you've been thinking all day. But the Lord has it for you that he just interrupts that and says, no, I don't want. You remember the author and finisher. Remember his faithfulness. And then the scriptures start flowing through your mind. You go, oh yeah, I remember now in Philippians that he who began a good work, confident of this very thing, he who began a good work in you will complete it. And say, yes, Lord. And when, when he writes in, when the Bible says in the Psalms that God will perfect that which concerns me, he says, yes, Lord. And they go, oh man, remember Abraham? He was such a failure, but he made it. Yes, Lord. And man, look at, look at Peter, what a failure Peter was. And what are you doing on a midweek Bible study? What are you doing listening to Christian radio right now? You're studying about the man that failed and got back up again because God is the God of the that gives second second chances. And if you need second 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 chances, it could be the very last one you'll ever need when you come back and you get up and say yeah, you Lord I repent of my failure, I repent. I'm going to look to you cuz you're the beginner. This all started with you. You pursued me. And you remember you start to remember this is the value of memorizing scripture. Because as you're praying, if you happen to, to talk to you, the Holy Spirit can interrupt you and start reminding you of scriptures that you've hidden in your heart so that you won't sin against them. And so I encourage you, one of the things you should memorize, maybe make it a goal by next Wednesday, is just memorize Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. So you're reminded of these very things. Number five, one of the things we were encouraged back in Hebrews was to look to the joy that was set before Jesus. He gave the example. Jesus had that joy that was set before him. So when you're looking at Jesus, remember that part of Jesus running his race, God in human flesh, was he looked to the joy that was set before him. And I want to suggest this to you. I suggest that the joy that was set before Jesus was you and me. The joy of finished redemption and salvation, and the rescuing power that the death, His death and resurrection was going to bring to us. Because we know He addressed us in the Gospels. He would talk about those that would believe later, us. And the joy that was before Him was your transformed life, was your children and grandchildren, and the carrying on of the Gospel. The joy of the Father, the Bible says, is your salvation and mine. In John chapter 17, listen, in verse 24, it says, Father, this is Jesus praying, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you've given to me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. There's joy in being reunited. And there's joy in front of us. God still wants to work in your family. He still wants to give you victory over besetting sin. He still wants to break you free from your past. He wants to help you overcome your regret. Like God's still at work in you. So there's a joy before you, which also gives you such great excitement that as you're sowing seed of the gospel in people's lives, you may be able to see that seed come to fruition. That that little invite to church, that little card you give out, that constant prayer for your family. Like we, we have expectancy in joy because that's where hope comes then not only that, number six we learn, as you're looking to Jesus, you look to Him as He endured. Now that's important, because many times you'll look at the endurance, perhaps, in Jesus, and think, well, of course, He was God. And you'll forget that He was God in human flesh. He was the perfect human, and He endured as a human. And His endurance led Him to despise the shame. And here we are, we're running our race. We might be ready to give up, throw in the towel, and we got to get our eyes back on Jesus. When they are, things become clearer. He loves me. He died for me, and I'm going to endure whatever it is this season of difficulty because Jesus endured. And his death and resurrection came with mocking, scourging, you know, lie. They hired people to lie about him. He. He was beaten to, he was unrecognizable. Most people died under that beating. He endured it. He endured it. It was shameful. People made, this is the God in human flesh. But he did it all the way to the end. And then finally, we looked at in Hebrews 12, again, coming us alongside, laying aside. Then when you lay aside, then you desire. In Hebrews, we look to Jesus who sat down. That's number seven. He finished. That's the final stage. He's in that place of authority. And I believe it disinforms, just by way of review, I think disinforms where Peter is in his heart. Lay aside these things. And remember, malice, evil speaking, guile, hypocrisy. We looked at those in depth last time, but they, they just aren't consistent. They're great temptations when you're under big trials, but they need to be laid at, They're not going to help you in the race and instead have that desire for the Word, that's where growth is going to come. Even if you don't see it, growth will come. Why? Because you've already tasted, verse 3, that the Lord is good. Verse 4, we come to Him, remember, as a living stone. We're rejected by men, but we're chosen by God, and we're precious. And we're also, as a church family, as believers all around the world, living stones, being built up a spiritual house. A holy priesthood. We're not just a stack of bricks all squared up. God has taken us as bricks and he's put us in the body of Christ, built us up, and we all have our place so that together we're interconnected. We need each other. And in many ways we want each other because we're going to keep each other strong. Jesus no, he's the master builder. Notice we're a holy priesthood, it says, offering up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Verse 6. Therefore, it's also contained in the Scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. He who believes on Him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, He's precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and the stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the Word, to which they were also appointed. So Jesus is that stone that was rejected. He came to his own and his own received him not.
1: Well, we've been in the book of First Peter today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is our teacher, and he's the pastor of Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. You can hear this message again when you visit us online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or hear Abounding Grace through our app. Search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play to download that for free today. So, Pastor Ed, not long ago, we released Season 3 of Lead to Serve. Can you tell our listeners a little about this podcast, what you're covering now in Season 3, and how they can access it? Yeah, Larry, we're really excited to get back on board with Season 3 of
0: Lead to Serve. Let me just say at the outset that you can subscribe to the podcast, Lead to Serve, anywhere you get podcasts. It's on Apple, it's on Android, and the main website is anchor.fm slash lead to the number two, serve. All one word. Lead the number two, serve. Lead to serve. Get that anywhere you get podcasts. And it's uh, one of the passions that God has given to me is developing and discipling uh, leaders next-generation leaders, and then, of course, reminding us of the simple basics so that we can all grow in leadership. And the premise is very simple. Uh, Jesus came to serve and not be served. He's the epitome of spiritual leadership, so we, too, follow in his footsteps. Uh, If we're going to be great leaders, we're going to be great servants. And season number three is following a resource that we developed here, a book entitled Sure and Steady. And in that book, we have bite-sized nuggets of discipleship material on growing us in our spiritual servanthood and leadership. So I take a couple chapters, a couple of topics, each episode, uh, and we talk about them. And I think of you, like in the room with me, as we were sitting across the table and we're talking about it together, generating questions, looking at the Scriptures, On some episodes, I have a guest with me, and we're talking through things. Uh, It's a great uh, resource, something I wish we would have had in the early days here at Calvary, but now we get to provide it to you. It's called Lead to Serve. All one word, lead, the number two, serve. And if you don't know how to access it through podcasts or such, uh, you can go to our app, uh, just put in my name, Ed Taylor, in your favorite app store, download our free app, You can contact and access it through there as well. Lead to Serve podcast season three is underway and it is already getting great feedback and great response. And we invite you
1: to download and listen in as well. That's Lead the number two, Serve. I'd like to suggest our resource of the month a book by Lee Strobel called The Case for Christmas. Taking the approach of a journalist, Lee Strobel searches out the true identity of the child in the manger. He consults experts on the Bible, archaeology, and messianic prophecy. We'll send it your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Please remember, this radio ministry is made possible through your generous support. And as the year comes to an end, this would be a wonderful time to hear from you. And you can place a resource request when you call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, that's 877-30-GRACE. You can also order resources like this at calvaryco.store, calvaryco.store. And if you just like to make a donation to the ministry, you can do that online at aboundinggraceradio.com. Hey, thank you again for helping us reach out through the radio with the gospel and truth of Jesus Christ. We'll get back into First Peter tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace.